You're listening to Nightlight. Hi there, nice as always to be back with you to introduce another international edition of Nightlight. I just got back yesterday from a short visit to Gulu in the north of Uganda. I was auditioning narrators for our upcoming recording of the Nuer Bible, which is one of the major languages of South Sudan. We have tens of thousands of Sudanese refugees in Uganda. We held the auditions at the Favor of God radio station in Gulu, which reaches the whole of the north of Uganda with the gospel, as well as large areas of South Sudan. John Patrick, who visited us last year, spent a few days giving Bible classes to the wonderful staff of the Favor of God ministry, and I played one of John's classes some months ago called True Riches. But being there yesterday in Gulu, I remembered that I have a recording of another terrific class that John gave there during his last visit. And I'm sure you're also going to enjoy hearing it on the program today. The theme is religion versus relationship. And we'll get right into it after a song on that theme from Emmanuel Gilligan. To my neck of the woods I'll get you feeling like you should You'll never be misunderstood Up here in my neck of the woods Your troubled waters I can't still Your work won't kill you, worry will Sometimes you just need to chill Up here with me you surely will Come back to my neck of the woods 
relationship with Jesus is really like a marriage later on I'll give you so many Bible verses on it like he's our first love make me thy very first love Revelation 2 4 so we'll be exploring that a little bit today but first of all this class is called religion versus relationship what is religion <laughs> what is religion Religion is uh, doing the same thing, the same thing, the same thing, and never wanting to change. Okay, if you take it to the root word, the word religion, ligare, Italiano, Latino, Latin, ligare means to connect. So religion is reconnecting with God. That's what it should be. Remember in the very beginning in the garden, the connection was cut through the sins of Adam and Eve. It was cut. And it really wasn't until Jesus that the veil was broken between God and man. Jesus is the second Adam, the perfect son of God, perfect son of God, perfect son of man. He, religion is us reconnecting with God. Too often in the world today, religion is our attempt to reach God. I was born a Catholic. I've lived in Islamic countries for 35 years and both teachers, an angel here and an angel there, watching all your good deeds. And if the good deeds are more than the bad deeds, you go to heaven. But I always say to my Muslim friends, what if my 51% bad, 49% good? Do I go to hell? And one other person has 51%. Would God send me to hell for 2% bad? I said, God is so perfect. Only purity can bring you to heaven. And we don't have that. In my flesh there dwelleth no good things. All my good works are good. Isaiah 64, 6. You guys are so good. So there's nothing of us. And that's what humility is. When we realize it's nothing. It's all a gift. 
For by grace are you saved through, and that, ooh, Ephesians 2, 8, 9, that not of, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man or woman should boast. Ephesians 2, 8, 9. It's all Jesus. So, religion is, we're trying to work to God. Jesus is God coming to us. Jesus is God himself miraculously made the word made flesh the word of God made flesh coming to us we don't have to go anywhere when Jesus said come unto me all you who labor and are heavy laden is he far away no he's right next to you just come put my put your arm around me you know <laughs> just come we don't have to go so far we take one step for Jesus when the prodigal son said I'm coming home the father ran to him that's the loving God we have. Okay, so when in the Islamic world, I tell people, they say, what's your religion? And you know, they want you to say Christian or Protestant or Orthodox because people like to put you in a box. So I say either my religion is love or my religion is Jesus. And truly, my religion is Jesus. Why? What makes most religions in the world? What do religions have? What do you need to have a religion? Hinduism, Islam has it. Judaism have it. You have rules, the law. That's one of them. Set of practices, rituals. You have sacrifice. The Jews and the Muslims have sacrifice. Christians in many ways have sacrifice too. You have a priest. And you have a place of worship. Jesus was all of them. I see in Uganda they have these three-in-one coffee. Oh, Jesus is the four-in-one religion. Five in one, everything, all in all. Jesus is the all in all. Encouraging you how very dearly Jesus loves you. You're listening to Nightlight. Let's start. John chapter 1. Let's turn to John chapter 1. First of all, before we go to Jesus being the four in one, I want to, yesterday I said a few times, when we read the Old Testament, we have to look at it through the eyes of Jesus. Jesus is the perfect image of God. Okay, John 1.17, it says, The law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by. There's a difference. It's right in the beginning of the book of John. So, there is a difference between Jesus and Moses. Let's take a look at Matthew chapter 5. Matthew 5, verses 21 and 22. Who has it? You have heard that it was said to, to the men of old, You shall not kill, and whoever kills shall be liable to and unable to escape the punishment imposed by God. But I say unto you that everyone who continues to be angry with his brother, or Heber's malice, enmity of heart against him, shall be liable to and unable to escape the punishment imposed by the court, and whoever speaks contemptuously, and insulting to his brother shall be liable to and unable to escape the punishment imposed by the Sanhedrin. And whoever says, you, you cast fool, shall be liable to and unable to escape the hell or Gehenna or fire. Which one is more difficult, Moses or Jesus? Moses says, don't kill. Jesus says, don't be angry. Which one's more difficult? Jesus, of course. 
I have four brothers. We're always angry growing up. You know, I, I wouldn't kill my brother, but not to be angry? Oh my gosh. It's a higher standard. Okay, let's take a look at Matthew 5, 39. Oh, 38. You have heard that it has been said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Matthew 5, 38, 39. But I say unto you, you resist not evil. Whosoever shall smite thee on thy right cheek, turn to him the other also. Verse 43, you have heard that it has been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor, hate thine enemy, easy to hate. But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Which one's more difficult? To hate your enemy is easy, but to love your enemy? I don't know about the Choli tribe. Is there one tribe the Cholis do not like? But usually, sometimes with different tribes, there's different things, right? Be kind to the tribe or the race or the person who bothers you the most. That is Jesus' law of love. Be kind. Esteem others better than yourself. Sometimes I go, how can I have that humility? I must put in my mind, that person is made in God's image, just like me. We're equal. That person is a sinner, just like me. We are equal. And anything we've given brains or this or that, it's all a gift from God. But the major things, we are equal. Okay, so six times in Matthew 5, Jesus says, Moses said this, I say this. There's a big difference sad to say too often we live in the times of Moses but it's gone we're in a new age the age of grace okay so back to Jesus being the four in one religion five in one all in all okay John chapter one everyone have it in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God Verse 14, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. So here he is, Jesus is the word made flesh. He's the living law. Jeremiah said, the day's coming, I'll write the law upon your heart. The Holy Spirit is doing that. Jesus is the living law, the word made flesh. Well, Matthew 22, he gave us the word. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, and mind. First and great commandment. The second commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all. So he simplified. Moses had the Ten Commandments and 300 minimum other rules. If my child showed disrespect, we're supposed to stone him. So many rules. A woman caught in adultery, stone her and the man. I don't know why the Pharisees only brought the women to Jesus. They didn't bring the man to Jesus in John chapter 8. <laughs> Maybe he was faster and could run away. I don't know. I've always wondered about that. Why they only brought the women. It was a man's society. Anyway, sorry, I'm losing track there. Jesus is just so different. You know? So he just simplified Moses so much. The hundreds of laws of Moses. This sacrifice, that sacrifice... No. Love God, love your neighbor. Okay, I will just read these verses very quick. 
Galatians 3.13 says, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. Christ saved us from the curse of the law. The law was a curse. The law showed you you were not good. You could never keep every law. Christ saved us from the law. Romans 3.20 says, Therefore by the deeds of the law shall no flesh be justified in God's sight. Verse 28, Romans 3. Therefore we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. You find this in the Old Testament. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Noah. Do you remember that verse in Genesis? There was no law then, but he found grace. Abraham, way 500 years before Moses in the law, was justified by faith. He's the father of faith. That's the ideal. God wants us grace and faith relationship, but man was so disobedient. The children of Israel had learned so much to live like the Egyptians when they lived in Egypt for 438 years. The children of Israel lived in there. As soon as they crossed the Red Sea and things went bad, they started murmuring, complaining. Oh, I don't... Why did you bring us out here, Moses, to die? God was ready to wipe out all the children of Israel two times in the book of Exodus, Numbers, and that, and two times Moses interceded. And God says, I'll save them for your sake. So the law, the Bible says, was given for the rule breaker, for the unlawful. It says the children of Israel were a rebellious seed just like us we've been a rebellious seed because of the sin of Adam and Eve we all have this rebellion in our heart against God uh, can someone look at really fast Acts chapter 13 verse 39 and by him all that believe are justified from all things from which ye could not be justified by the law of Moses so the law was not made for the righteous so we are the righteous well we are the righteous in Christ we have no righteousness of our own Christ is our righteousness we believe in him God sees Jesus in our hearts in God's eyes we are righteous nothing that you did Jesus paid it so there it goes the law was given by Moses grace and truth came by Jesus so Jesus wants to bring us back to that beautiful age of communion with God. Inspiring you to draw closer to God. You're listening to Nightlight. Nightlight. Okay, John chapter 1, verse 29. Who has it? The next day, John sees Jesus coming unto him and said, Behold the Lamb of God, which takes away the sins of the world. The Lamb of God takes away the sins of the world. I don't know if you remember it said in uh, Leviticus chapter 16, when you made a sin, Moses said you must sacrifice an animal, a bird. Leviticus 16. But Jesus changed all this. Hebrews 10.10. It reads, And by that will we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Once and for all. 
Whenever the Muslims are doing the korban, they say, in Islam, sacrificing the animals, I say, hey, I always tell them, Jesus was the sacrifice. You don't need to do this. The modern Muslims really like that interpretation. So perfect verses. Jesus is the sacrifice. Remember he said religions need sacrifice? No, we don't. The Jews now are trying to build the third temple to start the sacrifice all over again. Paul said, you crucify the Son of God afresh. They keep going through their own traditions. We don't need to build that third temple. The Antichrist will sit in the third temple eventually. He will come and occupy it before Jesus returns. It's a whole other story. So Jesus is the sacrifice. Okay, are sacrifices needed to please God? Remember, uh, Adam, uh, Cain, and Abel offered sacrifice. It seems something inside of man we want to sacrifice. We sense it. God is not pleased with us. We've been separated, so therefore we have to work. Abel offered a lamb. Cain, the fruit of his work. There's some old historic Jewish books that are published. That's not in the Bible. The book of Jasher, you can read about it in uh, Judges and that. It says Cain offered inferior products. He kept the best for himself. I've never heard that before, but that's, it's a part of the Jewish teaching. Cain gave something less than the best. Abel gave his best lamb without blemish. God accepted it. It doesn't mean we have to, but God accepts what we give to him. Sometimes God does things just because we want to. Remember the people uh, said, we want a king, we want a king in ancient Israel. What did God say to Samuel? And he said, in wanting a king, they're rejecting me. So God did not want kings. For 400 years he had judges and prophets. So then what happens when David's anointed king, when Solomon's anointed king? God appears in his glory. He's right there. And if you read just that chapter, you think, wow, God loves kings. No, God loves man. God loves you. And he'll take you even if you make bad choices. He said, okay, let me work with you. So that shows God working with man. Our sacrifice is necessary. 1 Samuel 15, 22, to obey is better than sacrifices. So Psalm 40, verse 6, who has it? Sacrifice and offering you did not desire. My ears you have opened. Burnt offering and sin offering you did not require. Wow. David is breaking the Mosaic law. Moses, 500 years, said, do sacrifices. 500 years later, David's saying, you don't need sacrifice. Who's right, Moses or David? God is just adjusting. For 500 years, Israel has grown. Been 500 years away from Egypt. They've learned. They've seen. Now God's trying to enter into relationship. So, David is changing things. Jesus totally changed it, huh? Okay, next verse was Isaiah 111. This is 500 years now after David. Look how strong the wording is in Isaiah. To what purpose is the multitude of your sacrifice to me, says the Lord? I have heard enough of burnt offerings of rams and the fat of fed cattle. I do not delight in the blood of bulls or of lambs, O God. God is saying, I'm sick of it. 
I've had enough of it. I don't want any more blood of bullocks. He wants human relationship. He wants your love. He wants that. He wants that closeness. Hosea said the same thing. 6-6. Six, six. For I desire mercy and not sacrifice. And the knowledge of God more than burnt offerings. I desire the knowledge of God. To know. Often in the Bible to know means to love. Adam knew Eve. And they had a child. I desire the love. The closeness. Beautiful. And Jesus said the same thing. Matthew 9, 13. I will have mercy and not sacrifice. So with Jesus on the cross, sacrificial times are officially finished. We enter into a new relationship. Okay, uh, 2 Corinthians 5, verses 19 and 21. Says, That is that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to him not imputing their trespasses to them and has committed to us the world of reconciliation now then we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us we implore you on Christ's behalf be reconciled to God for he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him Beautiful. So God was in Christ reconciling the world to us. A great sacrifice you can give to God is the sacrifice of thanksgiving. Jonah 2.9 I will sacrifice unto you with a voice of thanksgiving. Hebrews 13.15 Let us offer the sacrifice of praise unto God. Okay, now Jesus, the sacrifice. Everyone agree? The ultimate sacrifice. We don't need them. He wants our love, our relationship. Jesus is a temple. Turn to John chapter 2, next chapter. Verse 19. Jesus answered, said unto them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will build it up. The Jews said, like 46 years we've been building this. But Jesus said, I'm speaking of the temple of his body. John chapter 2, 19 through 21. Matthew 21, when Jesus came to the temple and threw over the tables and chairs, he said, this is a den of thieves because they're selling the sacrificial animals at such a big price. Same thing in John chapter 2. The temple became a den, a hideout for the thieves. Some churches have become like that, hideout of thieves, where churches have made, some pastors have made so much money just from the flock for their own riches. Thank God a lot of them have been exposed. Okay. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 8, it said, God walked with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day. God walked with them. There was no temple in Genesis, in the garden. God just walked with you, sat next to them. Let's have a cup of uh, tea, <laughs> African tea. And Revelation 21, 22 says, I saw no temple in the city. For the Lord God, omnipotent himself, and the Lamb himself are its temple. So, no temple in the city. No temple in Genesis. No temple in Revelation. God is a temple. And Paul said, 1 Corinthians 3, 16, 1 Corinthians 6, 19. You are the temple of the Holy Ghost. 1 Corinthians 3, 16 and 1 Corinthians 6, 19. You, God lives in you. 
First Peter 2, 5 and 6. You're living stones built up into a spiritual temple, a spiritual house. First Peter 2, 5 and 6 and 7. You're living stones built up into a spiritual house. Be a holy priesthood. Offering spiritual sacrifices. Beautiful. First Peter 2, 5 and through, through 7. So, when Jesus met the woman at the well, she said, should we worship God in Samaria, in Jerusalem? No, not in Samaria, not in Jerusalem. God is a spirit. They that worship him must worship him in spirit and in So Jesus, 2,000 years ago, he told us, worship him in spirit and truth. So even the temple was man's idea. God told Moses to build a tabernacle, a tent. You know, God's an outdoors person. You know, he made nature. God likes camping. He didn't want to live in a building. But man, you know, God, yeah, God's a nature lover. But Acts 7.48, the most high God does not live in temples made with hands, as saith the prophet. Acts 7.48, the prophet said that in Hosea 8.14. God does not live in temples made with hands. Where is God then? Matthew 18, 20. Where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. God is right here in the midst of you. Or oh, we read the verse yesterday, John 14, 23. If a man love me and keep my words, the Father and I will come into him. So you're the temple. I want to see God in the morning. I wake up and talk to my brother. I see God shining in his eyes. So that's why community is so important. Jesus is the temple. And we read yesterday about Matthew 17 when, the, when Peter and James and John were up on the mountain with Jesus, he was transfigured. Remember that? He was transfigured before them and Peter said, oh, let's build a temple here, One, three temples. Right when he was talking, God said, <clears throat> Peter, listen to my son, a great voice from heaven. It's not about temples. Listen to Jesus. And what did Jesus say? Go into all the world, preach the gospel. Teach all nations. Feed my sheep. Listen to my son. Lay down your life. Where did Jesus say to build a temple? Show me. Build my kingdom. Uh, but this is good. I'm not knocking this down. So I'm not going to come here like, like Jesus. Ah, knock over the tables and chairs. No, this is good. But the problem is when we think, aha, I found God here and we put all our heart in a place, you must come to our church. You know, our church might not be the best place for everyone. You must come to Jesus. And then maybe you might feel happier in another church or this church or that church, but get them belong to Jesus. Because he's, okay, he's the temple. He's the sacrifice. He's the word. He's the high priest. John 14, 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh but by me in the Old Testament the high priest was a connecting link between man and God Jesus is it I mean Jesus is everything do you see it John 14 6 I am the way the truth and life so Jesus is the high priest uh, Hebrews 9 11 says the same thing Hebrews 9 11 but Christ came as high priest of the good things to come with the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands. That is, not of this creation. 
Oh, Hebrews 9.11. Christ came as a high priest of more perfect things had come. Not a tabernacle. I mean, he's everything. So whatever Jesus said, Paul seems to repeat it, okay? John chapter 2, again, also, Jesus turned the water into wine. Very radical. What did he use? Where did he make the wine at? John chapter 2, verse 6. And there were set there six water pots of stone after the manner of the purifying of the Jews. Time after time again, Jesus did miracles on the Sabbath day. The Jews said, no, 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 you can't do this on the Sabbath. He did it. He seemed to like to break the rules. I mean, going in the temple and throwing over the chairs and tables? Gosh, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Okay, so Jesus, the new religion, love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. Beautiful? Hmm, very beautiful. Inspiring you to love and serve Jesus more. You're listening to Night Light. Okay, let's take a look at Galatians 5, 14. For all the law is fulfilled in one word. Even in this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Did you hear what he just said? It says, That's heresy. Say that again. For all the law is fulfilled in one word. Even in this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Why did Paul change what Jesus said? Jesus said, love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. Paul said, all the laws fulfilled in one word, even this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Why did Paul skip love God with all heart, soul, and mind? Did you ever wonder about that? Did Paul make a mistake? It's a mistake, he says. Paul went rogue. Maybe that was his thorn in the flesh. He forgot that. Okay, I'm sure James, the brother of Jesus, will correct this. James chapter 2, verse 8. If you really fulfill the royal law the according royal to the law. scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, you do well. Oh, the royal law. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Again, James forgot. Two mistakes. For sure, Peter will get it right. I mean, 1 Peter 4, 8. Peter was, you know, like, after he denied Jesus three times, he learned his lessons. 1 Peter 4, 8. Above all, have fervent and unfailing love for one another. Because love covers a multitude of sins, overlooks unkindness, and unselfishly seeks the best for others. Above all, he didn't say, above all, love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. No. Above all, love one another. Paul, James, Peter, they're forgetting about loving God, huh? Okay, for sure John will get it right. John was the disciple, remember, who put his head on Jesus' shoulder. You only put your head on the shoulder of like your wife or your kids put their head on your shoulder. Someone you really love. So John got it right. 1 John 3, 14. We know that we have passed over out of death into life because we love God. by the fact that we love the brethren, our fellow Christians. He who does not love abides, remains, is held or kept continually in spiritual death. We know we have passed from death to life because we love God? No. All the disciples skipping loving God, only saying love your brother. Why? I think they caught on to something. 
Okay, I'm going to say something radical here. Loving God can be dangerous. <gasps> Pastor's ready to say, John, leave, leave, leave. <laughs> Why? Loving God can be dangerous because you know what happens? I love God with all my heart, soul, and mind. I love God so much, I will persecute those people. Like the Catholics, I will do the Inquisition, kill the Jews. Why? Because I love God. Or the Muslims, I will go in the market and blow myself up and kill the infidel Christians. Why? Because I love God. If we love God and don't love our neighbor, it can be very dangerous. Let's see what John says in the next chapter. 1 John 4, 20 and 21. Uh, 4, 20 and 21. If a man say, I love God, and he hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother, whom he has seen, how can he love God, whom he has not seen? And this commandment have we from him, that he who loveth God, loveth his brother, brother also. You see that? If a man say he loved God and loved not his brother, he's a liar. A big, fat liar. A big, big, big liar. So they caught that, the utmost importance. Actually, Jesus said that right before he died. John 13, verse 34. Jesus was the first one. Actually, it was said way before in the Old Testament. John 13, 34. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. A new commandment. Actually, that's in Ephesus. I mean, it's in a, uh, Leviticus. But a new emphasis, the new importance, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another as I have loved you. How did Jesus love us? Halfway to the cross? All the way to the cross. So this is a love we're supposed to have. And because they had that love, in 300 years, one-fourth of the world became Christian. Slavery was put to end in the Greek and the Roman Empire because Christians would just go and buy the slaves and set them free. I mean, for many years they suffered, but they grew and grew in power because of the power of love. The first hospital ever built in Turkey today, but in, in Asia Minor then, was built by Christians for the poor. Before they had hospitals for soldiers and politicians, never for the poor. Christians did so many things to help the poor. Remember Jesus said, I was naked and you clothed me. I was hungry and you fed me. Matthew chapter 25. Christians did that so well, the Romans said, oh my gosh, we have to start doing social programs because everyone's becoming Christians. That's how they changed the world, through this love. Too many people who are religious addicts, addicts, drug addicts, religious addicts, they just love God, love God, love God. I love God so much. I look down upon this person. I look down upon that person. But no, our measure of love for God is by, okay, which person bothers you the most in this room? Which person gives you the biggest headache? How much you love that person is how much you love God. Only Jesus can save us. But that should humble us. Our love is so small compared to that love. But we keep climbing the mountain. That's why we need each other. Inspiring you to dig deeper into God's Word. You're listening to Nightlight. Okay, this is so important. 
Mahatma Gandhi, the great spiritual leader of India who became president or prime minister of India, he lived with Christians, lived in India. There are many Christians. And he read the Bible. He read Matthew 5, 6, and 7. That was his inspiration for his civil disobedience against England. The words of Jesus. He loved them. He says, wow, I love this Jesus Christ. The only problem with Christianity is the Christians. The problem with Christianity is the Christians. Because the Christians weren't living like Jesus. The Christians were, sad to say at that time, the Christian British were oppressing the people of India. They forbid Indians to do, make their own clothing. The Indians had great tailors. They said, no, we'll buy the cotton, send it to England, and you buy the clothing from us. Yeah, it's horrible. That's what the Christian, or so-called Christian. See, that's why many Africans, I don't know about Africa, but people in the Middle East, the Muslims I worked with, they say, oh, Europe, look at the Christians, they're so bad. I say, hello, Europe is not Christian. <laughs> Europe is post-Christian. From 300 to about 1400, Christianity was really in the Dark Ages, from Constantine to until 100 years before Martin Luther. Many reformers came. And actually, there were some good Catholics too. St. Francis of Assisi in 1200, he wanted to get back to the simplicity of Jesus. You know, he rejected the big money churches because in the church at that time the rich would sit right up front the poor would sit in the back Jesus was not like that oh Jesus said no 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 I mean you should read that right in the gospel okay uh, let's just take a quick look at Galatians 5 22 and 23 it said the fruit of the spirit is love okay you can stop right there the fruit of the spirit is love the next eight pieces, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, those are all fruits of love. If you have true love for others, you will have these other fruits. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. Then the next eight parts, such, there is no law. Again, we're free from the law. There is no law. Romans 7, 4. You're dead to the law by the body of Christ. Romans 10, 4. Christ is the end of the law. It's gone, gone, gone. Hey, you may be married to another. Christ is the end of the law. Okay, let's look at Matthew 25, our duty of love. This is the judgment day. Jesus paints a picture of what will happen in the judgment day. And before him shall be gathered all nations. He shall separate them one from another as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. Matthew 25, 33. And he shall set his sheep on his right hand, the goats on the left. Then the king shall say unto them on his right hand, Come ye, blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom. A kingdom, inherit prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Wow. Jesus has prepared us a kingdom. We don't have to worry about anything about this earth. This earth is just a vapor. You may be suffering in Uganda. You have a difficult life. There you have a kingdom. And I think a lot of you will be he that humbles shall be exalted. And a lot of the Christians who are so wealthy in the West 
might be your servants for the first thousand or two thousand years in heaven till they learn humility from you who knows God's ways are so different than our you know but sometimes I I have to think of the glories of heaven because this world is difficult when you live in a war zone when you see so much injustice David said Psalm 27 verse 10 I had fainted unless I believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living I would have fainted I would have given up so let's go back to Matthew 25 so come inherit the kingdom verse 35 I was hungry you gave me meat I was thirsty and you gave me drink I was a stranger you took me in very much like this church I saw you with the street children yesterday going out doing these things helping them I was naked and you clothed me I was sick you visited me I was in prison you came unto me where who was it Walter who went to prison yesterday you did huh you're obeying Jesus simplest commandment simple this is how you show your love to him by others then shall the righteous answer saying Lord when did we see you hungry thirsty in that when did we see you naked verse 40 and the king shall answer and say unto them verily verily I say unto you inasmuch as you have done it unto the least of these my brethren you did it unto me so when you do these things for the humblest child you've done it unto Jesus okay God bless you thank you for being so good students remember you and I under a moonlit sky so clear and I said whoever is that high must have a reason why we're here Here Call me a nature freak But I can hear it speak To my heart A signature of the hand On grandest of the ground
for letting us listen in on that terrific class on religion versus relationship. And we're looking forward to your next visit to Uganda to teach the Bible, God willing, if he makes a way in November of this year. Thanks to Emmanuel Gilligan for the songs. And I'll say bye for now. Look forward to being back again with you soon for another international edition of Nightlight. God bless you.